Well, how was it? Thanksgiving. I mean, it's the first official steep hill, long drop on the roller coaster. That's the holidays, right? I know some of you loved it. Others of you, maybe you got a little queasy, but you made it through it. So how many of you, uh, show of hands, have ever been to Holiday World in Santa Claus, Indiana? Lots of you, right? Okay, does anyone else see the irony that Holiday World is an amusement park with roller coaster rides? Anybody else? So follow this analogy with me, right? People love amusement parks, and some of us love rides or the holidays. Others of us tolerate those for our family members that love them. Others have thrown up and had a horrible time and would just be fine if they never went to Holiday World again. Which one are you? Do you love them? Do you love that roller coaster because you get those butterflies in your stomach the night before because you're really excited about it, just thinking about it? Or are you the person that this holiday maybe has made sick before and you just prefer to put on your free sunscreen, get a free Pepsi, and go sit in the shade? That's a holiday world reference. If you don't understand it, ask somebody that had their hand raised. They know what I'm talking about. So maybe... Your roller coaster ride of the holidays feels a little like this. I'm going to tell you what's going on here because this is my family. Uh, eight years ago, this is us. Um, and you may be wondering, first of all, where am I? That's a fair question. I sat this one out. Um, my wife, uh, although she doesn't, as you can tell, doesn't particularly care for roller coasters. She was going to take one for the team with the boys that day. My youngest son here, he thought before the ride he could handle it. He was pretty bold about it, but um, what do you think? I don't, I don't think he, I don't think he handled it. And then uh, my older one, well, he's just taking it all in, honestly. But notice that they're all holding hands, right? Just trying to make it through. Sometimes this is exactly what the holidays feel like for us. Sitting on the sidelines, if you're me, or maybe you want to make it a good experience for everybody else, or you're hanging on for dear life, or maybe you're just taking it all in. This is the last week in our series, like Becca mentioned, called the Declassified Holiday Survival Guide. We're doing this series because we all have different experiences on this roller coaster of the holidays. Some look forward to the holidays, others not so much. Sometimes we just need to survive them. One thing we all have in common is that we deal with similar situations and circumstances around the holidays. What we experience during the holidays, it can be directly related to how we respond to those circumstances. Last week, we did, we talked about how to deal with and respond to unrealized or unmet expectations when things seem out of control. And if we remember that ultimately God is in control, well, we're better able to cope with those unmet expectations. But let's face it, the holidays, they can have their challenges. Sometimes it's caused by unmet expectations, like we talked about last week. Year after year of those unmet expectations can leave us grieving the holidays. Maybe it's because your family is broken and Things just didn't turn out the way that you dreamed they would. Or maybe there's something else going on in your life 
loss of job or something like that, and, and you're grieving because you can't really have the holiday season like you wish you could. Grief is often most commonly thought of in the context of death. The death of someone that you love or care about. That kind of grief, well, it can really last a while. And during the holidays, because of that empty chair at the end of the table, that's a constant reminder of the person that won't be there this year. Frankly, grief can really make it hard and make it tough this time of year. But wait a minute. Like, I remember Clark W. Griswold said this was supposed to be the hap, hap, happiest time of the year, right? So who really wants to talk about grief? And that's just it, though. We don't. We don't often talk about it, especially this time of year. We try and cover it up with this superficial joy of the holiday season. We grab hold of that lap bar. We grit our teeth. We close our eyes, and we just hope for the best all to get through. Well, today we're going to talk about grief. Woohoo! I think we all have a pretty good understanding of what grief is, but for the sake of conversation, I checked out what old Miriam Webster had to say about it, and it says this, this is the essential meaning of grief. One, a deep sadness caused especially by someone's death, or two, a cause of deep sadness. So, another show of hands. How many of you have ever, ever felt like this? Put up your hands and keep them up for just a second. Look around, right? Grief is a part of being human. You can put your hands down. Thanks. You're not alone. Grief is a deep sadness of some sort. And we all have either experienced grief or we know someone who has experienced it, or they're right in the middle of it. For those of you still in the pain of grief, you know that the holidays can really be difficult. We're going to talk about some practical, God-honoring ways to address our grief today. We're going to talk primarily in the context of grieving the loss of someone we love. But I think you'll see exactly how this applies to every circumstance of grief. If you lost someone you love, a friend, a family member, this season is often filled with reminders at every turn. And grief has the potential to put us in, in an emotional response that, well, it leaves us uncertain really about how to navigate the relationships we have with others. How do you handle the constant reminders and the holidays, the invitations to parties and gatherings, the time alone, the emotional ambush that just happens when you least expect it, the old traditions that are missing someone, or the new traditions that they're going to never be a part of, the pictures on the wall from previous years that they're in, and the thought that the pictures that you're taking this year, they're not going to be a part of. I sat down recently with some friends of mine to talk about this, all of whom are experiencing grief in some way. Some have lost parents, some friends, others' children, some more recently, and others, it was some time ago. One of the many things we discussed was what the holidays are like for them. 
I want you to take a look at our interaction together and understand that you're not alone. Wherever you are in your grief, you're not alone. What is it that makes the holidays so difficult when you're grieving? There's an expectation that everything is happy and perfect around the holidays. And so it feels scary to be less than holly jolly. You don't fit in if you're not willing to put on a face. I was just just thinking about my, you know, my my father just passing away in September. I mean, my mother passed away five years ago, and this year I don't have either one of them. So that's hard for me. Where I work um, is all elderly people, so to see them with their families, that's hard for me. To think, oh man, they get to go spend Christmas with their mom and dad and their their grandchildren and children, and I don't get to do that. The days that we miss Sarah the most are when we are at large family get-togethers. So uh, when there's multiple family back-to-back events like that, it just kind of compounds what we're feeling. It's kind of like comparing it to maybe like an amputation, you know, because she's such a big piece of our family, and all of a sudden we're just cut off from her. So, um, yeah, you really notice it more the holidays I mean I'm sad for myself but I also notice that it hurts a lot of people who I love and then that makes me hurt it hurts my son hurts my sisters they all feel the loss of my mom and my grandma both and even my in-laws for my son especially he's so close to his grandparents and he now has only one grandparent and it's just hard Maybe you could relate to some of those feelings, even some of those stories. It is hard. You're not alone in your grief. Remember the hands that went up around you. You're not alone. In John 11, we read a story that reminds us that we're not alone in our grief. Even Jesus shares in and meets us in our grieving. I don't want us to miss that this morning. Jesus shares and meets you in your grief. This is the story of Lazarus in John 11. You may know it as Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. I'm going to give you a little bit of background here. Lazarus was the brother of two of Jesus' closest friends, Mary and Martha. When Lazarus got sick, they sent word to Jesus that their brother was sick. Now, Jesus didn't leave what he was doing right away to be with them. And as a result of the sickness, Lazarus died. When Jesus did return to be with Mary and Martha, he went to them, and this is what he said. Where have you put him? He asked. And they told him, Lord, come and see. Then Jesus wept. The people who were standing nearby said, see how much he loved them. Now, maybe you've heard this verse 35 before, then Jesus wept. Uh, If you're playing trivia this holiday season, shortest verse in the Bible. Okay, so you can win there. But there's so much in this verse. When Jesus saw others mourning the loss of a friend, he wept with them. He mourned with them. He shared in their grief. Hmm. I I always find that interesting. Because remember, this is the story of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead, right? So he knew what was about to happen. 
He knew what he was going to do, but still he paused in that moment and he shared in their pain. Jesus can relate to our emotions because he was both God, our creator, and fully human as Jesus. You're not alone in your grief. Jesus understands your grief and he understands it better than we do. He sees us. He understands us, enters into grief with us, reassures us, and has the power over death. Here's something that I'd like for us to begin to contemplate when it comes to our grief. Jesus is with us. He's with us in our grief. Now, maybe you're here and you're saying, is he really? I mean, I'm just not there yet, and that's okay. I don't want to lose you on this point, so please hang with me here. There's a few things that we have to first agree on to begin to overcome and learn to live with grief. We have to have a right perspective on it. Why? Well, because if we don't understand grief, you may find yourself with a friend who's going through a particularly tough time and your best response is rub some dirt on it or shake it off or you're at his grandfather's funeral and you tell him to make lemonade out of lemons. Not that I've said all of those. I may have said one of those one time. I'm not going to tell you which. But when when we understand some basic things of grief, right, it allows us to understand what we're going through, what other people are going through. And so we have to start with these basic things. First, grief is a natural response. It's how God created us. There is nothing wrong with grieving. We all do it. We all should do it. Because, because it helps us mend. It helps us heal. The interesting thing is, though, we live in a culture that has many differing opinions on who should grieve and exactly how they should grieve. But let me tell you, grief, it doesn't have rules, and it looks different for so many people. Grieving serves a purpose. It's vital to dealing with the loss of someone that you love. That's the second thing we have to understand. When our hearts are connected to somebody in a relationship and that ends, that's a tearing and a pulling apart of our emotions and our heart, and that takes time to mend, and that is not easy to do. It doesn't happen overnight. The third thing we need to have a perspective on is that feelings of grief are temporary. Some of my friends in the video you saw lost people that they loved years ago. And I know that they're still grieving a loss. I get that. So how can grief be temporary? Well, the feelings, they're temporary in the sense that they do change over time. When our perspective changes, our emotions change. Grieving offers us a perspective on life here on earth from start to finish. So with this understanding that grief is a natural response, that it serves a purpose and contains temporary feelings, we're ready to ask this question. God, what do you want me to do with my grief? God, what do you want me to do with my grief? Well, let's explore that. Let's talk about how to navigate it. I mean, this is the actual survival guide part of the holidays. How does God want us to navigate it? What am I supposed to do with my grief? Well, God wants us to share it with him. 
We should and can trust God with our grief and tell him exactly how we're feeling. The good, the bad, the ugly. Are you hurting? Cry out to Jesus. If you haven't done so yet in your grief, why not? I've had some conversations with people that think that they shouldn't complain to God. Well, there was a time in my life that that I thought that was true too. But guess what? He already knows your heart. Psalm 139.2 says this, You know when I sit down or stand up, you know my thoughts even when I am far away. He knows you're hurting, that you're dreading the holidays again this year because you're grieving what should have been or what could have been. He knows that you think that sucks. You can't hide it from him. So open your heart. Express it to God. God can relate to our feelings and he feels it with us. John 11 told us, right? He weeps with us. Even though he has the power over death, he weeps with us in our loss. God steps in when we're hurting. Psalm 30, 11 actually tells us that he can turn mourning into joyful dancing. Now, when we don't express our feelings, when we don't deal with our emotions, well, some bad things can happen sometimes. There's a part of my story that I don't talk too often about because I really find it difficult to get through almost every single time I talk about it. On June 6, 2003, Vicki and I lost a daughter who was born prematurely and died at almost 25 weeks. Her name was Mara Aileen. That was and still is one of the most difficult times of my life and our marriage. I know without a doubt that failing to deal with my emotions surrounding Mara, it, it was a major factor in what ultimately almost led to the end of my marriage several years later. But since that time, with God's grace, God's truth, and some amazing people he put in my life in the form of friends and counselors, I learned how to better express my emotions with others and to God. When we don't express our grief to God, bad things can happen. Is that your story or the story of someone you know? We have to share it with God. So back to John 11. We see an interaction when Martha, Jesus' friend, expressed her grief face to face with Jesus. Remember, Jesus didn't come right away when Lazarus was sick. He finally came four days later, by the way. So she met him two miles from where she was mourning with Mary. So she was in Jerusalem. He came to Bethany. She heard he was in Bethany. Now, she didn't hop in her car, and that was a five-minute drive, and she was there. She probably had to walk two miles away. Do you? Do you imagine what that might be like? I mean, four days after she had asked Jesus to come, he came. I kind of picture that being a walk that had a little bit of purpose to it. I have a feeling maybe she was mumbling under her breath. I don't know the whole way. Maybe she thought she was going to give Jesus a little bit of what for. Well, let's look at verse 21. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Yep. She kind of took her shot, didn't she? She told Jesus exactly how she was feeling there. 
She shared it with God. Now, before Jesus arrived, Mary and Martha, as I mentioned, were in Jerusalem. Verse 19, it actually uncovers another key piece to navigating grief and what was going on for those four days after Lazarus' death. It says this, And many of the people had come to console Mary, Martha, and Mary in their loss. They were surrounded by family and friends. Not only should we express our grief to God, we should share it with others. We're created for community with others. And yet, often, when it comes to grief, for some reason, we isolate ourselves. In 2003, I isolated myself from my emotions after the loss of our daughter. I isolated them from friends, from my family, from my wife. Why in the world do we think that's our go-to when it comes to grief? We don't want to burden someone else with our hurt? Well, Galatians 6.2 says, Share each other's burdens, and in this way, obey the law of Christ. Romans 12.15 says, Weep with those who weep, just like Jesus did with Mary and Martha. God created us for this. But man, it's hard. If you know someone that's grieving, share their burden. It can be hard though, right? Because we don't know what to say or we're afraid we're going to say something stupid. And Let me tell you this. There is power in presence. Not the kind that are going to be under the tree in a couple weeks. There's power in presence. Just being with somebody. Sometimes you don't have to say a thing. You can just be in proximity. You can sit with them. You can be near them. Now, most of us, we're good at that initial response, right? We go to the funerals. We bring food. We send flowers and cards for the first month or so. And then, well, life moves forward for the rest of us, right? It's natural. After time passes, so does the community. Don't forget the grieving continues for those who are in it. Vicky and I have a close friend who has a daughter that isn't far in age today from the age that Mara would have been, 19. 19 years later, and for some crazy reason, I watched the milestones of her life. And I grieve, and I dream, and I imagine what Mara's life would be like today. The grieving continues, but it changes. When we grieve, we need to also know that at some point, there comes a time that you have to take the reins of your own grief and take responsibility. You have to know when you need help. Is your grief causing you to make bad decisions? Are you emotionally disconnected? Are you coping with your grief through addictions of drug or alcohol, sex, anger, isolation? If any of that is you, reach out to your community or your friends or your family and ask for help. 
Before we close today, I'm going to give you a way that you can connect with others who are trying to manage their grief too. Expressing our grief to God and to others can direct our grief in a way that allows us to view it with a perspective. A right perspective on our grief can actually provide us hope. Our hope comes from God, and in order to navigate grief, we have to learn to live with hope. Hope comes in a belief that death isn't the end, that there is a promise of something more. And if death was the end, how could we ever have hope that that the grief we're suffering won't last forever? So let's go back to John 11 one more time. So we know that Mary and Martha wanted Jesus to come right away, right? When she sent word that Lazarus was sick. But he didn't. Why? I mean, that's a fair question, right? Even Martha marched herself over to Bethany, remember? Why why didn't he come right away? Jesus had a different perspective. Verse 4 tells us this. Lazarus's sickness will not end in death. Jesus had an eternal perspective. He knew that he was going to raise Lazarus, but like Lazarus, he also knew that the day was coming when he would be raised from the dead and that that day was going to change everything for us. He knew that his death had opened the door for all who are sick and dead to have ultimate healing in eternity, in heaven, with him. That kind of perspective on life, that death isn't the end, that's hope. This is exactly why this story is in the Bible. For us to be challenged and learn how to live with that kind of perspective, the perspective that Jesus had. God sent his son to live, to die, to be raised from the dead so that we might know that death isn't the end. Your grief, no matter whether it's around the loss of someone you love or an unmet expectation in this life, your grief isn't eternal. God's love is, God's love for you is, and if you're a follower of Jesus, you will experience eternity without grief you will experience hope. I want you to hear again from my friends. I want you to hear how living with grief and a perspective of hope in Jesus has changed their grief. How has your faith in Jesus changed your perspective? And how has it given you guys hope? I'm grateful for the time that I did have with him and that God is showing me that there is hope and joy because some of the songs that I hear on the radio going to work, I know that's God and the people that he puts in my life and that come, you know, and talk to me. And so I know there is hope and there is joy. Yes, those things can coexist at the same time. Uh, We can be sad, but we can also have hope and we can be joyful because we know um, because of Jesus, that this is temporary, this separation, um, that we will be reunited with um, those who are in Jesus. And so how can we not just worship him and be so thankful that he made a way? 
He's the only one that has completely conquered and defeated death. And that is something that is just transformational. Um, so, I don't know, I think since Sarah has died, I know I've gotten weirder. <laughs> because I'm living with one foot already there in heaven with her. But, you know, the scriptures tell us that we are seated in heavenly places. So, um, I don't think that we fully grasp what that means, but the hope that that gives me, it just makes my heart skip a beat, you know, thinking about that. And uh, I'm just so thankful for that promise. And I, I'm sad for people that don't have that hope. Breaks my heart. But that's what a lot of people think, that you can't have gratitude when you're grieving, that you have to be sure, yeah, you're sad and, and you miss them, but you still have that joy and that peace of knowing that you're going to see them again. And they are healed and they are better. When I, Everybody who, most of the people that I've lost have were very ill and so are just not not well. And so I know that they are now better. And so whenever I think about you know what it would be like if they were still here would not be good and I know that they're in heaven and they're healthy and they're you know they're done with all this pain that we're dealing with here and so I feel I'm happy about that even though I'm sad and I miss them a lot. Uh, My faith reframes why I love Christmas. Uh, I, I, I think about my papo and like Christmas doesn't have papo anymore. But if he was the only reason I loved Christmas, then I wouldn't have a reason to look forward to holidays. But if I make sure that that focus is still Christ, then yeah, sure, holidays can look different. But the reason for that love and that excitement and that passion and that joy, it's still there and that can't be taken away. Did you hear the hope in their words? Their hope it's rooted in Jesus with the perspective that because Jesus defeated death, that this life is temporary. Grief's difficult to navigate. We all have experienced it. Remember the hands that went around you earlier. If we can practice sharing our grief with God, sharing it with others, and living with hope because of what Jesus has done for us, we will navigate our way through this with God's help. Now, maybe you've done one of these. Right, But you aren't sure exactly how to do all of them. Or maybe you haven't done any of them. And you know that you aren't looking forward to this holiday season at all because of it. Today can be the day that you take a step forward to navigating your grief. It doesn't matter if your grieving started this year or decades ago. Today can mark the day that you learn to navigate it in a new way. And if you need to do that, I want to invite you right now to do something. Text the word grief right now to 812-408-1188. We have a one-time, two-hour event that we're going to be having this Wednesday, December 1st. Read our Connections Pastor. He's going to lead that this week. It's going to be about surviving the holidays with grief. It'll look a lot like that conversation you had saw me having with those friends of mine in the videos. When you text grief to 408-1188, we're going to send you some information about that event. It's free, and above all else, we want to help you navigate 
your grief in a new way this year. We want you to connect with the hope that Jesus promised. We want to help you take a next step towards healthy grief. And in the next few moments, our band is going to lead us in three songs. The first one, you're going to stay seated. And and I want to challenge you to take an internal reflection in this moment. What does God want you to learn? What does he want you to do with your grief? Let God challenge your heart. Let him change your heart. And then the next two songs after that, I want us to rejoice together because of what Jesus has done, because he's conquered death, and that gives us a new perspective and a new framework to view our grief. Open your heart to the love of Jesus and and let it change you today. Let these next few moments turn your mourning into joyful dancing, if just for a few moments. I'd like to pray. God, I thank you so much for loving us so well, for giving your son, for conquering death, for giving us a perspective that can help us have both joy and sorrow in the same moments. That it gives us that perspective that death isn't the end. We're so thankful for that. And I pray for those people that... um, just aren't looking forward to these next few weeks because of the grief in their life. Whether that be unmet expectations or the loss of somebody that they love in the past, I pray that you would comfort them, that you would help them know that they are loved by you and that you meet us in our grief, that you share in it with us, that you mourn with us. And it's in your name I pray. Amen.